Blog Talk Radio. Fifth Dimensional Living with your host, Diane Bachberger. Diane has been given message from the fifth dimension and higher to bring greater peace and understanding to the lives of others. She lives and experiences these higher dimensions to help our world come into balance and to raise to a higher vibration of love. You can find more information on Diane on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash dbachberger1 as she shares great wisdom with the world. Let's welcome your host of this dimensional living, Diane Bachberger. listening in on fifth dimensional radio what propels a civilization into the next step join me over the next hour as i take you into the fifth dimension and beyond it's been a while since i've done a show um about three and a half months i've been traveling and there's been a lot going on so it's kept me pretty busy and i didn't want to take away from the shows when i was doing that so it's time, I thought, to get back and to talk about what's going on on the planet, but also, you know, um, what has meaning for us in this life. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. And I'm going to talk about dolphins and some birds and maybe a few other animals. Um, fifth dimensional consciousness is about consciousness in a higher sense, um, that we live through the heart, we speak through our heart, we connect to source, to God, you know, the divine being, whatever you want to call it, and we live life from that, and we live life the best we can. So, you know, people and friends and people that you love are, are really important, and it's about feeling and living your life from that aspect. Today is October the 15th, 2015, and uh, it's about anniversary time. I've been doing the show for about four years now by myself. I was doing it prior to that with uh, Carol Guy, and I did a few other shows with her over the past few years. So in all, I've been doing um, radio for about six years, so it's kind of interesting the way it happened, but um, sometimes things happen for a reason. So, you know, we just have to be open to those things. And, you know, I, I talk about um, intuitiveness and really opening yourself up to feelings about things. You know, if you feel something isn't right, go with it. You know, there's been times in my life and not too many where I kind of said, oh, no, that's, you know, I'm just imagining it. And But I've never, it's never gone wrong for me. So um, that's another thing, you know, to just be aware that we have a part of ourselves that is aware. And sometimes we bury that part of ourselves. And sometimes painful things happen and people, you know, put that emotion inside so they can't feel the emotion that they need when they need to have it. So, you know, I'm just um, 
saying a prayer for humanity to be able to open themselves up to that at a cellular level. You know, we're in a physical realm, or at least we have the illusion of a physical realm. And, you know, there's something that holds everything together, and there's a frequency here. And I'm not sure if I've talked about it recently, you know, but recently would be, you know, four months ago, about dark matter and dark energy, and there's a difference between them. You know, dark matter is everything that holds, it's like a glue that holds everything together, you know, at a cellular level. So um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit today, too. Um, I just want to talk, first of all, um, not that long ago, a friend of mine called me, you know, between me being out and about and traveling and everything else. And unfortunately, he fell off a ladder a couple of years ago, so he lost all the memory he had before then. And I guess it was about two years ago, he phoned me up and he says, I don't remember you, but I have your phone number here. Um, it was, you know, like I had to explain to him who I was, and then he kind of had a memory of me. But what has happened since then? He has um, uh, prophetic dreams about things, and he often has dreams about me. It's really funny when things are changing with me or if um, things are expanding or, um, you know, um, just really big changes in my life, he has a dream. And it usually is pretty bang on. And um, But what's amazing is um, he phoned me not that long ago and was talking to me about, you know, his memory is starting to come back. I've been doing a lot of prayer, a lot of healing with him. So that's, you know, really amazing. You know, love and prayer can do a lot. Um I'm I'm supposed to take him to the doctor next week and I called him just to verify it for when I get back and you know he he remembered so um that's that's pretty amazing um I haven't seen him for quite a few years so it's going to be interesting seeing him again and just recently I've reconnected with um another male friend that I had many many years ago and you know, it, it it has meaning for me. Um, you know, when things happen, and they happen in numbers, it it means that there's big changes happening often. And you know, I'm very intuitive. I follow what I feel. And so, anyway, but I'm I'm taking him. I'm going to be taking him to um, a neurologist, and he's going to see, be seeing what he can do to help. Well, you know help him and I have a few ideas and a few pointers for him too so it's kind of exciting um on another topic um I was talking about this this dark matter and how it connects everything in this realm together right these are times where physics and theology mix you know I know right now a lot of people are angry because you know, they think that um, religion is a way of control. In some ways, in a dualistic world, religion does do that. You know, and a lot of indigos 
which just means that they have uh, blue in their aura. And um, their consciousness is a little more expanded, people like that. Um, a lot of them have, you know, turned against religion. Well, I, I don't think that's the answer. I think that, you know, so many people want that connection to source, to God, and they don't really totally feel it. Well, people like me and and people that might be listening right now, because I feel there are some, we've always been connected, but not everybody has. And they want that connection, so it's just a way of reinforcing that connection. But, you know, right now, um, you know, there's been a lot going on back in June. I think they reactivated that... Um, that reactor that um, is is looking at that dark matter in CERN, Switzerland. So, you know, where where is where, what is all this taking us to? Um, I I don't necessarily feel that people should be messing with this energy because there's a reason why um, in this physical realm that dark matter is holding everything together. It's the glue. And I don't think we should be messing with the glue. So, but do people understand this? You know, it's it's funny that sometimes common sense, you know, that curiosity overwhelms common sense. Um, I was listening to um, a documentary recently, and I'm trying to find the piece of paper that I wrote down the name of it to get it exactly. Okay, it, it's called The Truth About Cancer, A Global Quest, The True History of Chemo and Pharmaceutical Monopoly, and how it happened. And if you can, go, I think it's on the internet now, and they've been showing it to people. Um, Google that. I think you can Google it on Facebook. Um, I'm on Facebook, Diane Buckberger. Um so if you know if you you're listening to me and you're interested in any of this I can be found in my name's B U C H B E R G E R um anyway uh I guess after the second world war after you know there was some bombing and nuclear blasts and then they used you know um what do you call that napalms and all the different things that um were gassing people and stuff like that well, the chemotherapy is basically the stuff they use to gas people, and it's it's toxic poison. And on this show, it was really interesting because they were saying that, um, you know, this chemotherapy kills the cancer cells, um, and it kills some of the other cells, too, in the body, but what it doesn't do is kill the stem cells, the cancer stem cells. And then that's why, you know, people will do okay for a while, then all of a sudden they get sick and it reactivates. The important thing that they were talking about was the immune system. It's important to help the immune system because apparently many people have cancer in the body and there's just different times when the immune system is low that it comes out. And there was a lady on the show, she had pancreatic cancer, and she got this natural treatment. Um, and she she's still around 40 years later. So, 
you know, what is going on? Like, um, there's deeper secrets and different... Um, we're being shown something in one way, but it's really something in, an, in another way. So why are we putting, um, you know, nuclear or uh, bombarding ourselves with s- stuff like this? You know, stuff that was used to kill people, and now we're using it to kill cancer cells, but really it's not the solution. So, you know, um, by chance that sometimes, um, you know, people find out about these cures. Well, you know, the pharmaceutical companies and the people that, you know, own and monopolize this planet, you know, they have an agenda. And, you know, it's it's important that we see beyond this. You know, that's mainly why I'm talking about it. I don't like to focus on this stuff. But, you know, I, I will get into it a little bit later on some other shows. Um, what makes us know what is right for us? You know, one of my sisters, she was supposed to be on the plane that day that was coming back and going to New York. Um, on that 9-11 day, but she had a kind of a weird feeling and she canceled her flight. There's been times, like I said at the beginning of the show, in my life where I felt something wasn't right. And I, when I listened to it, 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 it was right. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, we have really have to listen to that part of ourselves that is good for ourselves, you know, not the part that leads us astray. You know, because, and I think that's called the awakening. People are starting to realize, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've been told and things that they've, they've done and stuff like that hasn't been the best thing for us. So it's, it's important as a collective that we open our eyes, you know, and the more of us that do that, and the more of us that heal ourselves within, the more beneficial it will be for everyone, you know. Um, maybe I'll talk a little bit about Blue Jays because, uh, you know, I live, I, I'm off and on, in, in, and I live in Ontario, though, um, and I've heard that they've, they won a game, so they're doing really well. When I was in Cuba, it was really funny. The, the reason why I'm talking about the Blue Jays, the baseball team, um, when I was in Cuba and they found out that I was Canadian, that's all they talked about was baseball, you know, and, uh, the Blue Jays and Cuba is a really interesting place. And, you know, there's different parts of the world because I'm an earth healer that reflect different things about Cuba has something to do, I know this sounds a little bit out there, but has something to do with the dark matter and balancing the dark matter there. Um, you know, it, it's it's a communist country, um, and the people live a different sort of life. Um, they still have really old vehicles, and they make do with what they have. And there's not a, a lot of um, junk that, you know, they keep using, like... Um, you know, in North America, you know, with all the plastic bottles and all the different things like that, they don't say, oh, well, my car is not working right now. I'm going to get a new one. It's all about 
you know, using things and um, really treasuring what you have and loving each other. You know, I really saw a a lot of love from the people there. And, but I also, when I was there, there are gateways. And, you know, when I do earth healing, I go to do healing of gateways or chakras of the earth. And, you know, I was in um, Freeport, um, well, it'll be about a year and a half ago. And I I did some work there with, um, you know, the the, uh, rim of the Bermuda Triangle. It's just the it's just a vortex there, but Cuba is on the tip of part of the vortex, so it's really interesting. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit today about reality, and um, you know, are we really, truly, a physical realm, or is that just an illusion about a physical realm? Some some interesting things that I brought up, um, and also, you know. Sometimes when we um, open up our hearts, um, it allows us to see things, you know, and maybe things that we've done in the past and correct that and and makes us sensitive. Um, I I kept, when I woke up this morning, I kept getting the words respect and sacrifice. So, but not sacrifice in the sense that we give something up sacrifice in the sense that we're being given a gift or we're getting a gift, you know, um, or we're giving a gift because that's what the word originally meant. Okay. It's funny. Um, you know, the, the shift of the earth, you know, happens around this time of the year and, um, you know, the birds are, um, moving and they're traveling. And I, um, you know, we you experience different things wherever you are in the world, right? In the northern hemisphere and in Europe, birds, you know, migrate to places that are further south, depending, you know, on where their migratory paths are. But I always find that, you know, I get to see birds at different times of the year, no matter where I am. And it's a gift. I find, um, and when you think about it, birds represent the magic within humanity, and I find it very magical when I see different types of birds, and they mean different things to me. And you know, I'm going to talk about that a little bit today too. Love inspires us and leads the way. So, you know, if you feel like you're at a stop or a standstill on the path, um, you know, right now there's a lot of um, people that are. Um, you call them baby boomers, they're going through retirement. But, you know, a lot of them are still working because they're very vibrant. So what inspires you? What creates love around you? What made you feel good when you were younger? You know, I'm not saying go out and, you know, go back to your past. But, you know, there maybe there were people and things that were around you that made you feel good. Um, also, this is a time of year where people go hunting. And you know, I know some people, you know, are vegetarians and you know, don't believe in eating meat and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, in the old days, what what did people live on? You know, they didn't go to the grocery store. They didn't go, you know, to the meat counter and get meat. What are we missing in our diet right now, you know? What are we doing, you know, is, is the dark matter being changed or is there something being changed within us? Um, 
you know, I know a lot of people are hunting right now, deer, elk, caribou, different things like that. And, you know, the Aboriginal people, when they eat the diet that they were meant to eat, they, they're very healthy. And internal organs, I know European people and Aboriginal people and maybe French Canadians eat organ meat. And it's really high in vitamin A, which is really important to the body. You know, people have been um, experiencing osteoporosis and a lot of degenerative diseases because they don't have enough vitamin A in the body. You know, it's it's important that we um, we look at that part of ourselves. You know, if, if you're vegetarian, make sure you're getting enough vitamin A in your diet with what, you know, what you're taking in. Um, you know, there, there are people that say, you know, you, they can live on a, a vegetarian diet, but not everybody's ready for that, okay? Um, it's important that we eat food as close as we can to what is good for ourselves. You know, I do live on a, a mainly vegan diet, but not everybody is set up or um, their frequency in their body is not ready for that, okay? You know, it was really funny. I was talking to a friend not that long ago. I just want, it's, it's kind of amusing. And I was telling him about this restaurant near where my daughter lives. And I was saying, you know, there's ghosts there because he, he had been there. And he goes, he thought I had goats. And he goes, oh, he says there's live goats in the restaurant. Anyway, I, I just thought I'd mention that because I, I, was, I just got, got to thinking about it all of a sudden. Um, animals are important to us, and it's important that we uh, be respectful of them and honor them. And if you do hunt, you know, it's important that you ask permission and um, bless the animal when you hunt and bless the meat. You know, and when you do that, the animal doesn't live in a, in a scared state in the meat isn't um how do i say have have death hormones in it because you know that could be toxic too so getting back to what i was talking about at the beginning i know i've been all over the place um but you know sometimes i go into an altered state and i'm kind of in that right now and there's different things that i'm being given messages about um are we really in um, a physical realm? Is our reality really an illusion? You know, what do you think about that? I'm just going to go in the chat room and see um, if anybody is there. Um, psychic energy reader Brenda. Okay, I'm not sure she, it was she's say or he or she is saying um, it was shut down. Okay. Well, um, I guess they're talking about that place in CERN. Yeah, because you know what? Um, I wasn't getting good feelings about that. And since it, they did what they did in June, I was feeling a lot of it. It's not the dark matter. I was feeling dark energy. And somehow something was opened, and it released some energy here that wasn't the greatest energy. But a lot of the light that's here and the people and uh, light workers, including myself, um, and part of the reason why I was in Cuba, because that's where that type of energy is balanced, I was there for a reason, okay? N nothing happens on this planet for any 
reason but the reason it's supposed to happen for. Um, so, yeah, it, we shouldn't be messing with that. Apparently they were seeing some pretty horrendous things, the people who had, were there when the, it was open. So it's better not to, to mess with those sorts of things. So, okay, maybe I could start off by talking about... Um, and, and there's an article. It's kind of interesting. Um, his name's David D. Flowers. And the article's called Dark Matter versus Dark Energy, War in the Heavens. And, you know, I'm not... I just go to the articles when I, you know, like, come upon them or something happens or I'm getting messages about certain things. You know, not everybody's going to understand that about me. And um, for a long time, I hid that part of myself from people. And, you know, there was only one person that was really aware of who, what I was like and who I really was and knew a lot about me and actually really understood me. And that was, you know, my mother. So she's been gone for about seven years now, but I still feel her around me. So, you know, we are energy. Um, and that part of ourselves that, you know, isn't the physical part of ourselves is eternal, you know. So anyway, I'm getting back to this article. Um, he starts to talk about dark matter and dark energy. And he, he mentions a little bit about, you know, the angelic rebellion. And, you know, we've, people have read about it in the Bible. And, you know, a lot of people, believe, you know, believe the Bible. And to the greatest extent, um, the information you know, is, 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 you know, in truth, but, you know, it's been distorted somewhat. But um, getting back to this, a talk about dark matter was first postulated due to gravitational forces of the galaxy or lack thereof, which couldn't be explained by invisible mass of objects in any system. Therefore, it became clear there is an invisible ordering force holding space together, hence the term dark matter. So, you know, a lot of people think, oh, dark matter, it's evil. You know, dark matter is just what creates this, the force in a physical realm, okay? You know, we, you know, people talk about different realms and they talk about, you know, um, dimensions and that different thing. This is something different, okay? Even though dark matter is the glue that holds everything together in, a phys, you know, in physicality. And then they go. He goes on to say, the other, on the other hand, dark energy is an unseen force that works against the ordering power of the dark matter. So that is something, you know. Another is a, is a, actually a really good way of seeing it. Um, you know, dark energy. So it's different. Dark energy is different than dark matter. You know, we all have energy within us. Um, energy in a dualistic physical realm should be balanced to get, you know go to a higher consciousness like fifth dimensional consciousness but there is some reason why there's a dualistic realm physical realm that we're living in um i do see it changing and you know to some way that this dark energy has been created it it, it really doesn't like it because 
it feels like it's being worked against. It feels like, you know, it's going to be destroyed. But energy is never really destroyed. It's just changed. Anyway, it goes on to say, for our struggle, it is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul, this is a reading from the Bible, uh, Ephesians 6.12 NIV. So, it talks a little bit about that there. You know, it, it's, um, but, you know, the rulers and the people on the earth, like the dictators and people that we can't understand why they do evil things, there's a part of them that hasn't opened up to the light and to consciousness of God or source or that connect connection that we have. Um, so we just have to be aware of that, you know, um, and it can be changed. It goes on to say astronomers and theoretical physicists state that both dark matter and dark energy once worked together. So there was a balance. So from the moment of the Big Bang to precise, you know, they, it worked together, but dark energy began accelerating um, expansion and working against the ordering forces of dark matter around 5 billion years ago. So, you know, this is, they've been doing, um, the physicists, you know, I'm talking about theology and, uh, you know, um, physicists trying to understand, you know, creation and all that sort of stuff. And basically, you know they've they've gone back and they've done experiments and they're they're doing things with you know um dark matter and seeing what happened so this expansion the rate of the cosmos began speeding up about 5 billion to 6 billion years ago like a roller coaster zooming down the track but you know sometimes i see it as a, as like a big spiral you know that's and it, it created the physical reality so that is when astronomers believe the dark energy's repulsion for force overtook gravity's attractive grip. You know, so Adam Reese, professor of physics and astronomy at Johns Hopkins University, is the one that said this. So in other words, dark energy is working to rip space apart and repel the unifying gravitational forces of dark matter. So when we muck around, or scientists, or people start messing around with stuff that was created um it propels it even further okay so these are it goes on to say these are the scientific facts and this blog post is my theological interpretation of those facts because he's a christian okay i'm not you know promoting christianity i'm promoting love um every religion, as far as I'm concerned, to the greater degree involves love. There's, you know, we were talking about this dark energy. It it comes out everywhere. So, you know, I've been doing the prayers of light since March, and I, you know, I've prayed for many, many years, but it's time that we expand the light we have within us. And don't sit back 
and you know um it it's it, people call it a war but i call it just a change you know we're asserting ourselves we're not just standing by and letting this dark energy do its it, it, what it does and and what i see is you know a lot of people are awakening a lot of people are seeing the, you know have taking in the light and this dark energy doesn't like it okay it's seeing that it's it in a way it's losing control um you may notice that a lot of dictators in the world are falling now, there's still quite a few of them and you know when i look back and see it all i think oh all you know we've accept these bad boys um and we sort of said oh well it's not around us so let's just put it aside you know on facebook i i actually posted some stuff about this so if you're interested at all you know um maybe i'll post my facebook site so he goes on to say what i find most fascinating is how close this event a war in the heavens is to the formation of the planet earth some 4.6 billion years ago but you know a lot of christians believe the earth is only 6,000 years old so what what is time and space it's an illusion anyway so it's just an illusion to kind of center ourselves in this 3D reality. So he, he just has a correlation of, you know, isn't it funny that all of a sudden there was this rebellion sort of thing that they talk about and that happened in the heavens and this, this dark energy asserted itself. Anyway, goes on to postulate or say, could this war between dark matter and dark energy be evidence of a spiritual war that eventually cause chaos and destruction upon the earth and impacting the evolution of life as we know it. You know, some people say that, you know, so many years ago, you know, we fell in consciousness. I see it as, you know, we're healing within. So somehow something in the cosmos and what was created I believe is healing itself. Um, you know, you can read a little bit more about um, what he says here. He goes on to a lot about Satan. I want to. I don't want to. Um, you know, embrace that or kind of. You know, physicalize it. Um, but you know, the one thing that we need to know is that we are light. We are. A reflection of that energy that that the creative um beautiful energy and love and to, we we have to you know embrace that right now and I'm here on this planet spread that message or to expand that energy and that's what that's that's what you know is important right now. Anyway, they go on to, he goes on to say here near the end, he says, I suppose in the future, and possibly after you and I are gone, scientists will observe dark energy losing its power or turn it on itself in a way that can't be fully explained. And of course, this dark power is already losing its grip on the earth through, um, you know, beings of light that we are you know, um, and balancing our energy, our masculine, feminine energy. So, you know, I don't, I, I, I just thought I'd mention that because, you know, a lot of people lately, they're hearing all this and they're 
you know, kind of freaking out and stuff. Think about it in a way that things are reversing. Things are getting, you know, it may not seem like it was, It's you know, it's better, but there is change. And um, it is for, you know, the better, okay, in the long run. And um, an illusion of matter, you know, we vibrate at a cellular level very, very rapidly. And according to the frequency and what is contained in, you know, in, in our, um, the, it, at an atomic level, it's a reflection of how we are, okay? Um, there's this, a Danish physicist, uh, Niels Bohr, who um, was trying to understand atomic structure and quantum theory. And one of the things that he said, there's a, it's a quote, if quantum mechanics hasn't profoundly shocked you, you haven't understood it yet. Um, you know, there's quantum uh, f- physics, and, you know, physics is just explains what's going on in a scientific way in the cosmos, okay? Um, anyway, it's, it's left people baffled. Okay, and scientists included. And one of the things that's really kind of had people shaking their heads, but, you know, a lot of saints and a lot of people like myself, you know, shamans and um, mystics and and things throughout the earth, history, um, have said, you know, like this is just an illusion here. Okay, there was this one lady, and I I don't remember her name, but I was watching this on television a while back. Um, she was born with not cross eyes, but when your eyes go out the other way, you know, we got one looking one way and one looking the other way, you know, like that actor. <laughs> anyway, she, you know, could look at one object and look at the other object. You know, when you shut one eye, you see part of the room, but you also see part of what you would see from the left side of your eye. And they kind of uh, cross over, right? And then what you are seeing is crisscrossed in the brain. Um, But what she was seeing, because I'll I'll tell you what happened, um, was totally different than what we would be seeing because she had two different eyes seeing two different things. And... She actually had an operation, and then she went and um, had training to be able to see in 3D because because we're in this physical realm, we're set up maybe because of falling consciousness, whatever you want to say it, to see things in the way of a 3D realm, okay? We have 3D eyeballs, um, but... It's just the way it's set up. But, you know, not everybody, people in higher consciousness see things in a different way, for one thing. But anyway, getting back to the story, she got trained to see in 3D, and what she saw was totally different than what she saw when she had two different eyeballs doing two different things. And they weren't, for some reason, she wasn't um, doing the crossover in the brain to register and see things in a physical way. So... You know, she was able to describe it. And basically what she was seeing was um, 
disconnected atoms and and a whole bunch of other different things. But to go from experiencing that to actually reversing it um, and seeing what you know we are set up to see in this realm. You know, did we create this? Was this created for us? Is this something? I believe, you know, the fallen consciousness had something to do with this um, dark energy, okay? And really, it's not who we really are, but it's something that was set up, okay? So, and maybe it's because, you know, they didn't have any place to go, so they, and didn't have the energy, so they brought us with them. You know, it's, it's, no, you could go into a whole bunch of different things. Um, Anyway, the scientists say everything we call real is made of things that can not be regarded as real. It seems that philosophers, you know, like I was saying, and mystics and, and different things, our senses really do deceive us. You know, we have, like they say, five, or is it five senses or something like that? But really we have more than that. But because of the way we see things with our eyes in this reality. We, we limit ourselves to it, okay? But we really can go beyond that. But, you know, this physical world isn't really physical. And, you know, a lot of this is what's being studied in quantum physics now. And, you know, some people go, this is like pseudoscience. It's not real science. Well, like I said, you know, theology and science are crossing over. You know, this has to happen, I guess, and it's something that we have to understand or we want to understand. And, you know, what is consciousness? Do certain people have a certain consciousness because they're in 3D reality? I, I really believe so. You know, some of these people, you know, like dictators and people that are psychopaths, they have a lower 3D consciousness. And, you know, we we can't deny this anymore. And, you know, that's that's why I'm talking about it today, because it's something that people at least have to open their eyes to. And it plays an important role in how we're um, having this, um, they call it the shift or transformation of our planet. And it's, it's needed right now to awaken. We need to understand who we really are and, you know, that we are really love and we're not all these things that have been created here. You know, Scientific um, understanding and discoveries throughout, you know, the history of science, you know, and it's not, you know, it's been going on for thousands of years, but, you know, people have a certain knowledge and they have certain understanding and what it causes, like you're back in the Reformation, there was a lot of changes going on and that sort of thing. It breaks down the old and brings in the new. So that's that's what's going on right now. It's what we thought and what we believed to be true on a certain level. Um, they're not dismissed, but they're put aside, you know. And we look at things in a different way, and we see things in a different way. But when we um, 
open our eyes and we see things from who we really are, there's greater understanding and greater perception around us to have and to understand ourselves and other people. Um, you know, there's trillions of dollars going towards things that are really toxic on this planet, and, and I just shake my head and, like, what the heck? You know, and a, a lot of people aren't open to that, and it's important that we are. You know, this show, this documentary, The Truth About Cancer and the Global Quest, The True History of Chemo and the Pharmaceutical Monopoly, it's, it's about um, something that's not so good. Okay, um, it's not the solution. It's very 3D. It's very destructive. You know, we can do a lot more and be using that money towards things that we need to know about or would be good for us. You know, it's, a lot of the pharmaceutical companies are making billions and billions and trillions of dollars. And, you know, these people on Earth, they, they're they thinking in dollar sign. Like, thinking about putting, I guess, you know, the ego and everything else, about making money. It's it's about people and what we can do for each other. You know, you've heard about zero-point energy. And, you know, the electromagnetic field around the Earth. And radiation, you know. They're, they're, these are all um, things that kind of go, maybe, I'm not saying it goes above pe- what people people's understanding. They have understanding of it, but to what it really means and what it means to us, that's what we have to look at. You know, scientists, um, from what I, I gather, you know, they have a different way of thinking, Okay. But there are many people out there running around that don't have a university education uh, that are extremely bright, see all these things, and they're at a level that is even further than somebody who has studied to be a scientist, okay? But I do know that scientists think in a certain way. And if they're open to source, they will be given information that will help them. You know, they, they, they've been saying recently that the electromagnetic field on the Earth is shifting because the electromagnetic field in the universe is shifting. And it has to do, you know, and it affects um, to some degree this um, dark matter that I'm talking about. And when that happens, you know, we can open up our consciousness and the way we think about things in a different way. The electromagnetic field around the earth in a way holds us into 3D consciousness and it's important that you know we allow ourselves to open ourselves up true and uh, truth and understanding and, and whether it has to do with theological things or it has to do with scientific things well re- everything is really all related interrelated so, is it threatening our understanding of physics? Is it un- affecting our understanding of um, th- theology in the Bible and what is really truth and what isn't really truth? I think a lot of it has been distorted here. 
what what we call matter doesn't matter, I could say, but is it real? Is it even real? Okay. Is it a figment of some creator's imagination? Or is it something that is a hologram even? Um, You know, when you look at a small um, atom and how it behaves, You know, it, 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 it makes you wonder. And, you know, a lot of people don't really have an understanding of, you know, the, how the physical world is created by smaller little pieces and atoms. But we do have more understanding now. But in a way, understanding and opening ourselves up to, you know, seeing that there's something beyond this physical reality. We're, we open ourselves up to non-physical properties and what is going on in the universe. And in, and in turn, when we do that, it expands our consciousness. And like that woman, that she actually saw what 3D reality looked like and what she actually was experiencing without a 3D reality. She didn't have the setup where the eyeballs, you know... Um, it's funny that her eyes were crossed outwards, but, you know, when the eyeballs are straight and they're set up to experience a 3D reality, we see something here. That's a 3D reality. I think we can go beyond that. You know, when our energetic centers in our bodies are opened up, um, and from what, I, from what I gathered, it exists in a 3D reality. There's seven chakras, but the energy is limited. When we expand our energy, um, our chakras expand and they open up even more. And and there's more chakras that open up. Some of them are locked down right now. And um, I think that's what makes people see in 3D, okay? So somebody like me who has chakras open... Um, and I've had people um, that can see chakras and energy and stuff like that run after me and say, hey, you know, at, at conferences and different things, you know, they know that it's something different. But it's not anything that any of us couldn't be, okay? Um, so an, another shocking thing for certain people would be the notion that the atom is made of even smaller subatomical elements, Okay. So, and these um, subatomic particles admit strange energies. You know, I think that um, there is some type of um, energetic dark matter that holds everything together. I, I really believe that. And, you know, what... Do we need to know what happens at a subatomic level? Maybe some people need to know. Um, do we need to realize we're not in, really in a physical environment? Well, you know, existing here, we can say, hey, we we know that, but we, we just want to have this physical experience. Does it really matter? Well, if we're, if we're going to evolve and we're thinking about all these things, and I'm talking about them, I guess it is important. 
you know, back in the 19th century, scientists looked at the energy and the structure of matter. And, you know, remember Newton, the law of gravity, and um, and then he also had a belief that the physical material universe was um, really not important. So that was dropped. That, you know, we, we how do I say it? We de-evolved uh, at a certain point. Because people real uh, before that, you know, said that that energy and matter were an illusion and that we're we're this is a physical realm people talked about it for thousands of years so recently well not back then but recently um scientists began to recognize that everything in the universe is made of energy everything is energy you know energy never dies energy converts so we're just energy ourselves. When we expand our chakras, our energy expands. So we are different, okay? Um, quantum physicists discovered that physical atoms are made of vortices of energy that are constantly spinning and vibrating, each one radiating its own unique energy signature. So at a, at a physical level, even though we're physical here. At a higher level, we're vibrating. We're really, you know, um, something totally different. You know, if I, I, I would imagine if we didn't have our vision and our senses set up in a certain way, if it was different, we would see who we, what we really look like, okay? And so if we want to look at ourselves and find out who we really are. We have to ask to be able to see that, okay? Because I've done it and I've been able to see it. That we're really beings of energy and vibrating and we're eating our own energy signature. You know, some people say that there's a book of life within. It's like um, like a disc or almost like a, a record that there's an imprint you know, we we do have experiences, we do feel, and we do register that within, even at a cellular level, but in our energy bodies, okay? I might be saying a lot of things that some people are shaking their heads at and going, you know, I don't understand that. But really, what you, when it gets down to the basic stuff of it, we are energy, okay? We present and we are set up to see things physically. But we really are much more than that. Because of dark matter, it holds all this together also. Maybe this dark energy is something that disrupts this 3D physical realm, okay? You know, if you look at an atom with a microscope, you could see um, that it's, you know, it, 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 it's like a little vortex. And there's like these little energy vortices called quarks and protons, you know. Um, so that's the structure of that. You know, the earth, we're all reflections. The earth 
has a certain structure, has certain chakras, it has certain vortexes or vortices, whatever, however way you want to say it. Whatever happens in the microcosm happens in the macrocosm. And there's a physical void. You know, there, there's space. We're not all physical structure. There's spaces between. And there's energy, invisible energy between it. Now, is this, you know, the glue that holds us together, the dark matter? You know, it's it's really, you know, hard to say. But I think that when, once we have understanding that we're more than we are, then we can go beyond this experience here. You know, we won't be focused on the ego. We won't be focused on material things. Because, you know, as a being of light or a being of energy, do we need to eat? Are we, you know, like... Is food really real? You know, you could start thinking about all that stuff. I guess I'm just talking about it because to get people's minds a little bit more awakened. Um, so we can get we we can we can look at all these different things, and but what's important is that it's all part of a creation. You know. But we want to change things here. And and the fact that we're looking at all these things and, you know, whether it's religion or theology, you know, I've I've said some things and people say, oh, you're a new ager. I I don't see myself as a new ager. I see myself as as a being of love, a being of light. And I want the heaven and the creation that was meant to be for us, okay? You know, love opens up paths. You know, some of the paths may be a little dusty or a little covered over, but we're we're opening up those paths right now. Um, you know, I was talking about the caribou and that all, all that sort of thing. I, I'm going to read uh, in a book called Animals Speak about uh, the uh, the spiritual and magical powers of creatures, great and small, because you know I talked about five senses. Um, when we go into higher consciousness, like fifth dimensional consciousness, we go into heart consciousness, but also we start noticing things around us that maybe don't have significance for people that are in 3D consciousness. I'm just going to look for it. Okay, here. Um, the deer, and it's on page 262 of Animal Speak by Ted Andrews, and the keynote is gentleness and innocence, um, gentle luring into new adventure. So if you're seeing a deer or any type of animal like that, there's a new adventure, okay? Humanity, is, and I've seen one recently, so are we going into a new adventure? Definitely. Is our consciousness expanding? Definitely. Are we seeing beyond this physical realm? Definitely. You know, deer have captured the imagination of humanity as one of the most successful families of mammals native to every continent except Australia. They have been able to adapt to every sort of habitat. The white-tailed deer, the mule deer, and the caribou are three that are prominent on this continent. The moose and the elk are also part of the deer family, but they're treated separately in this work. So, you know, I might go back and look at that too. 
So each type of deer has its own special qualities and characteristics while sharing some of these qualities of all deer in general. Caribou, for example, make long migrations twice a year. I was talking about the birds. So right now, you know, the caribou are also making a migration. And twice a year, so reflecting a need for those who have this totem to use that same pattern in their life. They begin rutting in the fall and early winter, and these are the the power times. You know, I was talking about power and energy, the dark energy. It's not something um, that is evil, okay? Um, It's something that um, the energy within us that holds us together, okay? The dark deer is a wanderer. It never follows the same path twice. This is part of its uh, natural defense. So, you know, I kept seeing, you know, it was funny. When I woke up this morning, I kept seeing dusty paths. And then somebody put something on Facebook this morning, and I'd have to go look it up to say exactly what it said, but it was about paths. And um, I was seeing some dusty paths. So maybe, you know, that's why I'm also seeing caribou, because new pathways are open and they don't follow the same pattern or the same path. So it's it's part of a nat- natural defense, making it less predictable to predators. And uh, most of the information in this section will focus on the deer in general and the white-tailed. So the deer has several variations in its origin, and these may provide clues to past lives for those with this totem. The Anglo-Saxon word dior was a general word for animals that were often used in general sense. In the Germanic language, it has a root in tier, T-I-E-R, specifically meaning wild animals also. And it can also be traced in Sanskrit, meriga, also meaning wild animals, so M-R-I-G-A. So many, too many, the deer is considered the most important animal ever hunted, the hunt of the deer is what transfers our civilization to the wilderness. So by the wilderness, it means the part of us that's not civilized, but also the part of us that's that dark energy, okay? There are many stories and myths of deer luring hunters, even kings, deep into the woods until they are lost and begin to encounter new adventures. So it's about going on this new adventure now. It's about shifting our consciousness, expanding our horizons, you know, understanding more about ourselves, you know, not that we are beings of love and beings of real energy. So one such example is found in the tales of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Sir Gawain follows a white heart to many adventurous encounters, and a reading of St. Thomas Mallory's Le Mort de Arthur will also provide more examples. The deer is also a central religious image for Buddhism. Buddha is often pictured with a deer. And legend tells how he preached in a deer park. The image itself reasserts the meaning of a deer as representing innocence and return to the wilderness. So there is a part of us that is love, that is innocence, and we are returning back to that. There's parts of us like that dark... um, now, I got this mixed up. We really got the dark, uh, a few minutes ago I said dark energy, but, you know, we do also, I should clarify, have dark energy within us too because we exist in a realm where there's dark and light, okay, and there's opposites. 
but um, you know, so I was saying, I think I said that the dark energy holds us together. It's really the dark matter that holds us together. It's the dark energy that causes separation and duality, and the existence of evil and the existence of good. You know, because really, we're just pure energy. Okay. So anyway, he. He, they're saying here that it represents innocence and return to the wilderness. So that, you know, that is the dark matter within us, the thing that holds everything together. The part, you know, where the, we're vibrating at a high, high energy. When we shift consciousness, by the way, we start vibrating at a higher energy. So if you're feeling like your body's like vibrating really fast sometimes, especially when you meditate, you're shifting how your energy moves within your body. So they basically go on to say the white-tailed deer is the most common in the United States. One of the most outstanding features is the set of antlers that the male develops. So it's an outgrowth of something, and it becomes... Um, it's, you could almost look like it, um, look at it like a path. Um, now I'm shutting my system down here. I, I touched the wrong button. Um, antlers are like they start off as one piece and they branch out. And we were saying that they never kind of follow the same path. It's a defense mechanism. So this deer with a set of antlers, both male and the females grow them, and the antlers are solid bone and they're shed every year. Antlers grow between, are behind the the eyes and are very protective. So. They, I guess they project down and they can protect the eyes on the male when he's fighting, right? So it has something to do with, um, you know, bone has something to do with rigid old ways of things, but they're shed every year. So it's, a, it's about the new, it's about new paths, it's about innocence, it's about becoming who we are. I think that's why the deer is so important on the planet, you know, and to Buddha. So each year until the age of five, the antlers grow bigger and with more points. If you encounter a deer in the wild, try to make count of the number of points, and they will tell you some of the significance the deer will have for you. Remember that numerology can help define the essence. You know, I also talk on the show about what numbers mean, you know, angelic messages and things for us to help us understand and to open up gateways and expand our consciousness. So deer's or deer can do this too. There are symbols of antenna, connections to higher forms of attunement. So, you know, if you're seeing a deer and seeing these sorts of things, <clears throat> it's almost like a religious experience. You know, I know people that go hunting, and they a lot. Well, some people say, "Ooh, you know, hunting's terrible and stuff like that." Well, if you're going out hunting and just going for the head, then you know, and, and using abusing the animals, then that is lower consciousness. But you know, if you are hunting or if you see a deer, look at the antlers. Count how many there are on there and see. And it's a signal to pay attention to your inner thoughts and perceptions. Because, you know, you are expanding. If you start noticing these things and you start seeing the correlation between things, it means that your energy is expanding and your consciousness is expanding, Okay. The antlers are shed every year, and each year they grow back larger and with more points. So, 
there's more opportunities to stimulate gentle new growth increasing over the next few years. So behind the eyes, they grow too. So that's, you know, perception, heightened perception. I already mentioned that, but I thought I'd mention it again because it's so important. One or two are born fawns are born a color that protects and hides them. It's like camouflage. You know people go hunting and they camouflage themselves? In the first few days, by the way, when I was in Cuba, I was in. they took us to this beach way out in an island somewhere, and there was two Cuban army guys by the trees camouflaged, and I'm the only one that saw them. So they were hidden pretty well. Fawns are born a color that hides and protects them, and the mother nurses them very often. So this is very significant for those with this totem. Many societies taught the importance of uh, staying with a newborn for a prescribed period of time. No visitors, no family members other than the father were allowed contact with a newborn. Even today in the Muslim religion, a mother who breastfeeds for a prescribed time makes that child her own, whether her biological child or not. This kind of attention and separateness enables a child to link with the family more strongly and protects the newborn. So it has something to do with, you know, mirroring and bonding and that's part of who we are we're bonded to each other we're actually really connected to one another it says here it always bothered me to see newborns and mothers walking around busy malls and stores i understand the desire to get out but it reveals a lack of understanding the subtle energy influences the human body our auras or energy fields are like are electromagnetic and, you know i mentioned that just a little while ago that, you know, this certain electromagnetic lockdown seals our energy in a certain way. And when we expand and kind of let go of the electromagnetic field, things change, our energy changes. But it's important that the child experience the energy of the mother and the mother of the child at the beginning of life to, to connect for this connection. Anyway, it says here, no one has ever done any significant studies on this, and it is an area that truly needs to be explored. Until the child's energy is strong and firmly grounded, it should be protected from, you know, anything from the outside. The deer leads us back to the primal wisdom and of those old teachers, and it reminds us to establish a long, healthy connection with the child before we expose it to many people and other strange energies. You know... It's important that we, you know, when we, I guess when we're born on this earth, we develop a 3D concept of how we see things, and there's pathways that are, these pathways with the child, when the child is born, have to be developed. And, you know, we are in a 3D world, but what is important is that creation energy and that the mother and the child experience that and that connectiveness to that energy at the beginning, okay? It doesn't say that here, but I'm getting that. It is a reminder that there is a tradition that is natural and suitable for family units and for the health of the young is for the child's best interest. So, you know, maybe the mother having nanny or people looking after the child and other things are things that are not not to really be focused on, okay? It's important that the, the relationship between the child and the mother be focused on 
says that doe fawns stay with the mother for as much as a year. The buck or the male will usually leave after a few months. The father takes no part in the rearing of the young. It is the rule of the mother. Again, this can be a reminder for us to move gently back to the traditional family unit roles. It may indicate if the deer has shown up in your life that you've gotten too far away from the role that would be beneficial for you at this time. You know, um, I guess in some ways we disconnect ourselves from people and friends and people that are good for us. And maybe if you're seeing the deer, it's it's time to reinstitute people in your life that were in your life that were good for you. You know, sometimes we connect with people and we have people in our lives that aren't that great for us, that can't be true to us to, to really know us. So if you're seeing the deer right now, it's 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 opening of clarity. It's opening of it could be new old pathways, okay? Maybe they're a little dusty, but the pathways are, are open up. And um, anyway, it says the deer's senses are very acute. Its vision is designed for clarity at a distance. So it's about clarity, too. It is especially effective at detecting contrasts and edges in dim light. Its hearing is equally acute. Anyone who has a deer as a totem will find increasing ability to detect subtle movements and appearances. They will begin to hear what may not be said directly. So you it's it's your perception. You know, I was talking about when we expand our consciousness and we go into higher consciousness like fifth dimensional heart consciousness, it expands our perception and our ability and we don't see in three D anymore. We see in a whole different light. So the deer represents that. When the deer shows up in your life it can seem to be gentle with yourself and others. A new innocence and freshness is about to be awakened or born. And I'm really feeling that. It feels really, really good. I'll tell you that last three months have been not have been easy for me, okay? And I'm awakening to that energy that is me. And I had to deal with a lot of that dark energy. And now it's time to shine my light, to be, to be beauty, to be love. There is going to be gentle, enticing lure of new adventures. Are you ready for these new adventures? Asking yourself important questions. Are you trying to force things or others? Are you being too critical and uncaring of yourself? You know, sometimes we can be that, you know, and it's important that we don't. Just recently, I've been around people that have had people right in front of me be really disrespectful and not nice. And, you know, even someone on Facebook wrote something really nasty on my Facebook wall. And before I would take them aside and and say something to them and, and kind of forgive them. And I still forgive them, but I really don't want them writing stuff on my wall. And I really don't want to have that person in my life anymore. And it's it's because, you know, we can give a lot of opportunities for people to show that part of themselves but they have to really do it themselves, okay? But we we have to do it for ourselves too. So when a deer shows up, there's an opportunity to express gentle love that can be opening new doors. And I want to express that love. You know, I don't mind talking to people that are really negative, but do I want to be around them 24-7? No. And it's it's not because I'm not nice. I, I, you know, I could do it and I have done it. 
and there's a part of me that can take a lot. But, you know, I have to shine that light, and I have to be the most positive and the brightest I can be. I also want to talk about the dolphin. You know, when I was in Cuba, I had the opportunity to swim with the dolphins, and this one dolphin just loved me. It was funny. The guy kept saying, I don't see him like anybody as much as you. But um, I got that the dolphin was giving me some type of information. It kept touching my face. It would actually open its mouth and put itself around my face, and I wasn't afraid at all. And it kept kissing me. So I think it's important. You know, I haven't done a show for a while, but I wanted to talk about the dolphin. Um, It has to do with the breath and the sound of life. You know, when we shift consciousness, we actually breathe differently. And it, it, it shifts everything within us, okay? It's all about energy. And energy, you know, I was talking about shifting. Energy never dies. It just shifts. So we change and we open up and shift our energy. It happens to us. It happens to beings and people around us. So 266, you know, I was just noticing something. Um let me see where I put, oh, maybe I took it out. I think I said 262, and now I'm saying 266, so there's a lot of twos and sixes today, too. Um, and this includes porpoises. The keynote, like I said before, power and um, is breath and sound, and the cycle of power is year-round. The dolphin is a mammal of the sea, so it has to breathe. And, peop, you know, so they're not fish, and they nurse just like the deer, you know, except in the water. And the largest member of the dolphin family is the killer whale, which also embodies the quality of patience. So it's a time to be patient right now. The fact that dolphins make their home in the sea is very significant. Many myths speak of how life began in the primordial waters of life. Water is a symbol of creation, passion, even sexuality. is an element of all life. It is a symbol of new dimensions and forces. So, you know, I didn't mention this, but there are new dimensions opening up that, you know, maybe people didn't have access to before. And um, lower realms, the realm of, uh, of source and one of the realms of source got taken over by some of that dark energy. And so now some of us are clearing it. So, but that's why people are experiencing some dark here. And, um, why that CERN had to be shut down because we really didn't want any more of that here. So dolphins can open up new creation and dimensions to great degree. Water is essential to life, but also is breath. So the two most important things, water and breath. Many techniques for breathing exist that teach how proper use of breath can be used to induce altered states and align oneself with new dimensions in life. So this is what humanity is also experiencing and opening themselves up to right now learning techniques of breathing can help you to become more passionate and sexual and to heal the body mind and spirit you know some sometimes um 3d sexual energy can be really toxic so i'm not talking about that type of sexual energy i'm talking about higher sexuality okay and that is very healing to the body mind and spirit so to honor and respect, because it is a gift from source. Uh, for example, tension and stress can be released by simply imitating the spouting breath that the dolphins use upon surfacing. 
So, you know, to get all that oxygen out, and then when you get it all out, all the stale oxygen, it fills up your lungs with lots of oxygen more, right? People with lung and breathing problems can greatly benefit by aligning themselves with the dolphin. You know, my daughter, she was born premature, and she's had some issues with breathing sometimes, um, but one of the animals that I think she closely identifies is the dolphin medicine. So it's it's pretty interesting, you know, as I'm reading this. So the dolphin has a rhythm in its breathing and to swimming. Learning to, you know, like the, when a dolphin swims, there's rhythm in it, okay? They're extremely intelligent. You know, they can do tricks and sort of thing like that. But not to focus on that. So learning to breathe like a dolphin can be beneficial. Breath control is the key to the power of the dolphin. When you align yourself with the dolphin through breathing, you can have a dolphin take you to all places and times. So, you know, I've actually experienced that, okay? That existed before the great seas covered most of uh, the world. Dolphin can lead you to underground caverns and primordial beginnings of yourself. You know, some people say that dolphins are from Sirius, but apparently dolphins were from Earth before they went to Sirius, and they just were brought back again. So they're actually beings, Earth beings. Dolphins also have a sonar ability. It uses a series of clicks and responds to the feedback of these clips as the sound reverberates. Sound, breath, and water are all considered the source of all life. Sound is a creative life force. So dolphins are primordial, creative, you know, creator beings. They've held a lot of information for humanity. So what I believe I was getting when I was in Cuba was that information, because as a collective, the dolphin collective have been holding certain energy for humanity. Learning to create inner sounds to that, you can create outer manifestations part what a dolphin can teach. So basically what they're saying is you go to this primitive state and use those sounds and then from that level of creation you can manifest what you need here sounds require breath and water is the un- unformed creative element that we can shape into any manifestation you know i've talked on the shows before about water and the feminine element and the creative element of of water i'm seeing water around me a lot lately so healing some masculine energy in Cuba, but now, you know, I balance the masculine and feminine energy, so now it's the creative energy within myself that I'm working on. So if we know how to combine breath and sound, the sacredness of sound and breath has been taught in many societies. In the Babylon cosmetology, the gods formed by the goddess Tiamat in the waters of life did not come into being until she called them forth. Apparently, that's what Earth used to be called, Tiamut, T-I-A-M-U-T. And dolphin can show you how to enter into the waters of life, and then with breath and sound called forth from the waters that you need most or desire. There are breathing techniques and sound techniques essential to manifestation. So if you're wanting to manifest something in your life, you might want to try this. If we don't use them properly, or we find that our prayers are unanswered and our affirmations manifest it in an obtuse manner. So, you know, it, it, I know a lot of people that um, 
go through a different type of um, breathing techniques and stuff like that. And then after a while, they don't have to eat as much. It, it, it shifts something in your body, and then you can subsist on a more vegan type of diet too, eh? And some people even just end up, you know, living on juice and, and stuff like that. The dolphin could show us how to do it properly. Anyway, he goes on to say, you may also wish to refer to my early work, Sacred Sounds, for further information on this. So um, he passed away in 2009, but he has many great works and was given angelic messages and understanding of animals, you know, almost like Dr. Doolittle. The dolphin was a symbol of salvation to the early Christians. To the Greeks, it was a sacred messenger of the gods, a dynamic base. Uh, or blessed symbol of the sea because of this it was rarely killed the dolphin also displays an altruistic behavior it has a large brain and great intelligence even today rather than be wary of humans who would kill them they enjoy the company and their curiosity draws them close they're very loving if a dolphin has shown up as a totem ask yourself some important questions what are your words and thoughts um, creating for you if unsure when dolphin arises you will soon discover, okay? So I was getting a lot of this stuff when I was in Cuba. So, you know, I've seen dolphins before, and I've experienced, you know, dolphins, but not in the way that I experienced them when I was there. It was it was unbelievable. Are you getting outside and enjoying the fresh air? Are you holding intentions or others? You know, it's important that we get alone by ourselves sometimes. We'd be out in nature. It's very healing and very soothing. But, you know, the, what I'm saying about the dolphin is the water's very healing. The sea's very healing for us, too. And breathing properly. We're going to breathe some new life into yourself. So, you know, the, that's what the dolphin does. Breathe, breathe in, breathe out. You know, take that new... How do I say? Um, tune. Um... You know, I've had ducks come, you know, I could talk about many other different animals, like um, the duck was around me, the robin was around me. Um, But what I found really fascinating, this is lately, there was this duck that he he came to on my deck and was, it must have been a wood duck because it's pretty funny. And it was like talking to me, never left. It was like, I've had crows do that before. But I'm going to talk about the chickadee on 125 because, you know, they um, they move around and there was a whole bunch of them around my yard a while back. So um, chickadee, keynote, cheerful and truthful expression, cycle of power spring. The chickadee is part of the, they call it the titmouse family. Tit is a folksy 14th century English name for anything little. So tiny, petite, you know, it's it's at the, the end of that word. French word. Okay, the mouse part of the tit mouse comes from moose, or M-O-U-S-E, a general name that is applied to a small, dull-colored bird in that same period. It is known for its cheery call, and to many people, its mating song is the first sign of spring. The chickadee usually has a, a black cap on its head. Many birds have caps, and this has great significance. Anything associated with the head is um, applications to thinking process and higher mind. So the fact that I'm seeing this has to do with, you know, I, I was talking about, you know, a while back about 
the crown chakra and humanity opening in the way we think and the way we feel and the way we think and feel from the heart has really changed. But anything associated with the head has applications to the thinking process, the higher mind, the higher perceptions. So humanity is actually becoming more in tuned, becoming more intuitive. The black is associated with mystery, the feminine and the great womb of life. So, you know, we've been talking about, you know, the water being the great womb of life. But this is, you know, seeing it in a different light. As to the color of the cap, it reflects that chickadees can help you with the uncovering mysteries of the mind. It can awaken understanding and higher truth. You know, I was talking about, you know, the dark matter and dark energy at the beginning, and, and it can be kind of confusing. And, you know, um, so we can have great understanding. You know, when I was in high school, I used to not study for exams, and then I'd write them, and I'd get good marks. And I kind of wondered how I could do that. But it's when you have certain chakras expanding, knowledge comes to you, okay? And humanity is going through that process right now. So if, you know, you're out somewhere and somebody asks you something, you say something, you say, how do I? And they say, well, wow, I didn't know you knew that. And they're thinking, how the heck did I know that? That's what's going on with you, okay? And it can happen at any age. And, you know, my friend that had fell off the ladder and, bashed his head and could remember things um maybe we compensate by opening up certain parts of ourselves we feel the love within us and and it's part of healing process and then we open up different parts of ourselves and we can actually key into our memories even though they're not in our brain we might be able to key into the akashic records or other places so um it can awaken understanding of the higher truth too, okay? And the higher truth just means that what's really going on around us and what is really, who we really are and that, you know, those sorts of things. It can help you perceive more clearly in the dark. You know, I was talking about uh, the deer and how it can see even in the dim light. Well, this is even more so. To the chickadee, Indians... Um, the chickadee is the the bird of truth. You know, I didn't look at and read these things before I picked them, right? I just looked them up and I'm reading them now. So it, it, it makes sense when I put them all together. It helps us to pinpoint truth and knowledge. One tale speaks of a witch by the name of Spearfeather who terrorized an entire tribe. She would wait in hiding to kill a passerby. After killing them, she would stab the liver of the individual with her spear finger and eat it. It was funny, I was talking about with a deer internal organs and vitamin A and, you know, we really need them for our body. It was funny that that should be there. Nothing seemed to be able to stop the witch as she was made mostly of stone. Now, isn't that funny? She was eating that and she was made of stone. When, you know, we don't have enough um, certain vitamins in our body, our bone becomes like stone, Okay. It just helps things become more pliable, vitamin A within the body. And, you know, it, it helps us have healthy bone. When the chickadee landed on her, um, showing the tribe warriors exactly where she was vulnerable to attack, okay? So it's about truth. 
it's about understanding. It's about the higher mind. It's about perception in the dark. You know, humanity, they say, is is sleeping and they're in the dark. It's time now that humanity open themselves up to the truth and, and step out of the dark, okay? They travel in groups, and, and that's how I saw them, reflecting a cheerful sociableness about them. And what is really, really funny, and I've noticed this before, you know, in my neighborhood, they don't go anywhere but my yard. <laughs> and I have, like, thousands of them in my yard. And then uh, I went out I had to show my son one time, and he looks around and he didn't see them. They're all on my roof. So I know when they're passing by, because I can hear them on the roof. They're going... And I was like, oh, my gosh. But that's what they do. And, and it's funny, you know, like they're on the roof, which is the head, representative of the head and, and the mind, Okay of the house so um anyway it goes this for a small bird is also fearless with no qualms of taking on larger birds that may threaten it and i've seen them chase crows there are seven kinds of chickadees and this is the most significant to those with the 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 totem and i like the sound of the chickadee too seven has an ancient mysticism associated with it throughout the world it is a sacred number and that is my number it is a symbol of the individual rising from the material plane of life you know i've been talking about how when we are focused on the physical we it holds us here on this material plane in 3d okay when we see above that and we're not focused on material stuff and our ego we leave the material plane. So the um, chickadee represents leaving of the material plane of life. And you know, I was talking about we're not really in a physical realm. It's just an illusion. Well, this bird opens us up from illusion into truth, okay? And it represents um, what I was just saying. You know, it's it's beyond this, this reality. So that number seven is symbolic of rising out of the material plane. And, you know, birds represent the magic of humanity, so that is a magical number. It as depicted an ancient image of a triangle upon a square. And, you know, what I was thinking, you know, a house is a, is, is a square, and then you have the roof on top, which is sort of like a triangle. It has association with the seven rays of power, the seven major planets, the seven bodies of the human being, and the seven chakras. You know, when humanity are in 3D, they only have seven chakras. When they expand themselves, it goes to 12 and more, you know. So the chickadee is on the top, and it opens up the seventh chakra to higher, you know, reality. So it's important that we see these things, okay? I could talk about atoms, and we're not really in the physical realm, but maybe people have a better understanding when I use animals, you know, to, to talk about, because they're really symbolic of what is going on around us. And, in, in, you know, and it bridges realities between third dimensional reality and fifth dimensional reality. It is the last correspondent that reflects most strongly with the chickadee. When the seven chakras energy centers of humanity are balanced, there is a great realization of truth in the world around us. You know, I've been talking about balancing energy, balancing the chakras. Coming out of duality is, is what this chickadee does. Um, you know, when we go into fifth dimensional consciousness, our upper heart opens, we become more loving. There's healing that heals any pain that we have in our body and takes us to 
higher realms, okay? And we see that we are more than just a physical being, that we are an eternal being. Um, you know, it talks about, you know, the balance, creating balance. And it, it, and um, realizing the truth in the world around us, okay? It enables us to express the truth more joyfully within our lives. You know, sometimes people open up parts of themselves and they have to speak truth, but they speak truth in anger because they're so, you know, frustrated and angry. And this allows us to speak truth with joy and love, okay? It opens us up, our hearts up. I feel, you know, that part of me opening up, that part of me is beautiful. Some people say truth hurts. Those who have a chickadee as a totem will learn to express the truth in a matter that heals, balances, and opens the perceptions. Truth is shared in a matter that adds cheer and joy to your own life and the lives of others. You know, that is part of heaven and part of what we create around us. You know, I was talking about manifestation and opening up the manifestation within ourselves. You know, in the the waters of life, we can breathe and create things and create a reality. Maybe we created a physical reality to learn something here. You know, there could be a lot of different reasons. But, you know, it's important that we see that we're beings of love, okay? Um, I have about 26 minutes left, and I'm not sure if anybody's listening, but if you have any questions, you can call in. It's 646-200-4169. You know, I'll try to put this together or or mention some things. Um, So humanity as a whole, we're recreating our reality. It might be mirrored in, you know, the changing of the stars around us. It may be mirrored in numbers and animals around us. But, you know, it's all beautiful. Um, I haven't done this show for like about, you know, three months. And it's, it's, it's been a while. But, you know, sometimes we have things to say and sometimes we have work to do. Now is a time for healing for humanity again at, at a higher level. And, you know, that's why I'm here today for to talk about that. Love inspires, love illuminates, and designates and leads the way, you know. It actually clears the path, and it opens us up. And, you know, it's totally up to you whether you want to take that pathway, okay? You know, I could talk about different things, and it doesn't make any sense in this realm. No, but, you know, people sit back and they accept it. Do we have to accept these things? No. Do we have to, you know, hurt each other and be nasty no it's a different type of consciousness just want to make people aware too though you know there are still dictators in this world and there are times when there's democracy and a dictator takes over when things are weak and you know what i'm saying is many dictators come up in the ranks of democracy they get voted in and they take over power it's important that we do not allow that you know, not all world leaders have good intentions, and we have to make sure they don't just start enforcing whatever they want. And they're doing things for the good of the whole, right? You know, what a true democracy is that people are able to talk and represent the greater whole. You know, the way our society exists now, it's really difficult to do that. So that we have representatives. 
you know, many of the dictators have fallen recently. You know, I was talking about the dark energy and stuff like that. Maybe it's running scared and, you know, we're opening up the light here. So that, you know, that's part of the reason why it's changing. But part of consciousness and fifth dimensional consciousness per se is to have choice. And lower consciousness, it's not having choice. It's it's to be told what to do and, you know, it's disruptive. It's um, It's not positive. Anyway, I, I want to talk a little bit about one particular dictator, because I, I have a little time. And maybe this will help see, you know, I, I was looking at how many dictators there have been in the planet, and then how many there are now. There's still quite a few, but um, it's, it's being lowered. But there is a kind of wishy-washy dictator in Syria. Anyway, this article says, these five facts explain Bashar Assad's hold in Syria. Okay, it says that he remains in power and he's not likely to go anywhere. More than 4 million Syrians have been displaced by civil war, but Bashar al-Assad isn't one of them. These five facts explain why Syria's embattled president will remain in power. So there's, there's a lot going on. A lot of people have left. He controls, it says good friends, he controls 25% of Syrian territory and he holds on to it if his life depends on it. So he doesn't even control the, the total country because ISIS has stepped in there, right? Because it probably does, it says here. The territory still has, um, he still commands is confined to a large population centers on the coast, but that's enough as long as he continues to re- receive support from abroad. Russia hopes to secure a military foothold and protect its access to deep water port in the Mediterranean. So they have reason to do that. The only Russian port outside the Soviet Union by sending Assad half a dozen T-90 tanks, 15 howitzers, 35 armored personal carriers, and 200 marines in recent weeks. And I'm just trying to see the date. Yeah, that was September 22nd. This That may be the beginning of Russia's growing presence. Uh, presence. In addition, Iran is worried that Syria will fall to Syrian rebels, backed by Saudi Arabia. Tehran's enduring uh, rival in the region, and also has extended a one billion credit line to seize Assad's regime to help import critical goods and commodities. So they're helping out with that. Iran's escape from sanctions and its ability to earn more revenue by producing an additional 1 million barrels of oil per day by the late next year, suggests there's more where that came, because Tehran and um, Moscow framed their assistance explicitly as an anti-ISIS push. The West is hard-pressed to push back. Because you know what? What's the greater devil, I guess? By the West, I'm talking about the leaders, Western leaders, like Obama and Harper. We're going through, um, I should really mention it, we're going through an election right now, and it looks like Harper's not doing so good. So is he a dictator? What's the definition of a dictator? Uh, I'll let you be the judge. And the second thing is the devil you know. It's not just the Russian or the Iranian backing that, that ensures us in power, you know, his power. It's the fact that Assad is the lesser of two evils and the West can't afford any more 
power vacuums in the Middle East. In geopolitics, as in life, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. ISIS now controls more than 50% of Syrian territory. Oops. It is without a doubt the best funded and the best equipped terrorist organization the world has ever seen. And hopefully the West isn't funding it. Taking in more than one million a day via extortion and taxes, roughly three dozen jihadist groups across 18 nations have pledged alliance to Islamic State. More than 20,000 uh, foreign fighters from more than 50 nations have joined their cause. And Assad is a, a cruel despot, but he's a regional one and known quantity. ISIS still has the potential to go global. So, is this, you know, part of the dark energy? Probably, you know, what's going on. So, it's important to be aware of it. We don't, but we live in love and we don't let them take over, okay? Number three, the, the many forms of tragedy. In, in Syria, civil war rages on. You know, while it rages on, the Syrian people will continue to pay the price. More than 200,000 Syrians have been killed in the war to date. Four million have left the country, and another 7.6 million Syrians have been forced from their homes but remain inside Syria. It doesn't sound good, does it? In total, that's more than half the population on the move since 2011. The U.S. equivalent as a share of the total populations of the democratic shock. Uh, the eviction of every citizen from, um, so they're saying, you know, what does this represent in demographics? To the U.S., it's California, Texas, Florida, New York, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Georgia, and North Carolina. That's a lot of people. But even if the Civil War were to end tomorrow, these people don't have much of a country to return to. Since 2011, the Syrian economy has been contracted by more than 50%. You know, that's a lot. The Syrian pound has lost 80% of its value against the dollar. The human costs of war speak for themselves at the economic cost, and you see a gutted country, whether Assad stays or goes. So the ISIS is basically taking advantage of this, you know. See how Syria re refugees journey from Serbia to Hungary, it is saying here. You know, a lot of people are um, leaving, and they're going by little paddle boats and stuff to Greece and to other countries and entering Germany. When I was in Cuba, there were a lot of Germans there and they were concerned because it was all going on while we were there, right? Number four, a war on two fronts. To fight ISIS, Iran has given Assad more money and Russia has given him more weapons. But while Western countries desperately want to topple ISIS, they aren't willing to do so at the cost of topple, propping up Assad. So, they're not willing to do that. The U.S. tried to train Syrian rebels to fight ISIS in their stead, but after investing $50 million, they have four or five American-trained rebels left to show for it. That's not a misprint. So that's not good. Opposition helping Assad. Western powers are now um, taking a divide-and-conquer approach to ISIS. That's why they've allied themselves with Iraqi Kurds. With the U.S. pledging nearly 180 million in military support, the goal is to weaken ISIS by forcing it to fight a war on two fronts. But even this plan has big problems. Western forces haven't been given the same support to the Kurds who are waging the same war against ISIS from the Syrian side. So, oh my gosh, these people, eh? I'm not talking. I'm talking about the actual people that live there and what they have to deal with. I don't blame a lot of them for leaving. 
you know, they've been bombed. Oh, they've gone through so much. Five, why Turkey matters. Why? Because Turkey won't allow it. As the only NATO member that shares the border with Syria and Iraq, Turkey is critical to any war effort in these countries so far. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan has shown more interest in bombing Kurdish rebel against ISIS fighters. So, by the end of August, Turkey has launched 300 airstrikes against the Kurdish Workers' Party compared to three against ISIS. And we've all heard about, you know, um, you know, the U.S. bombing hospitals because of ISIS and stuff like that. So, you know, they're sneaky, this ISIS. And, you know, Turkey has a complex and violent history with the region's Kurdish separatists. Erdogan plans to use the war next door to try to revive his political fortunes and restore his party's absolute majority with elections later this fall. So it's it, you know he's using it to to for his own means, right? But the party's lead has inched up just 0.5 percent since Turkey's June elections. Though there, there's time left before the Turks head to the polls again in November. Turkey highlights the fundamental problem with war in Syria. Every actor has. So there's an agenda. Turkey wants to fight Kurds. Iran wants to beat back uh, Syrian rebels backed by Saudi Arabia. The U.S. is focused on ISIS, and Putin gains political ground by standing up to the West. Alliances and rivalries overlap with just one clear winner. Bashar al-Assad, he may be fighting ISIS for control of Syria, but it's the rise of ISIS that's keeping him in power. Yipes. Anyway, I just wanted to give you an overview of that. People may not understand really what's been going on in there. Um, you can do a little more reading yourself, but because it's important that we know what's going on, okay? And, you know, to be able to help the people. And there's a lot of um, Syrians coming to Canada, and, you know, there are a lot of Syrians that are living in Canada, too. And I have a friend that was from Lebanon, but he became a Canadian citizen as a child. But he went back to Lebanon, and it's really crazy there. He ended up getting kidnapped, and he just got away. But it's, it's you know, like some not great stuff is going on over there. And there's no embassies for people to go to get help because they it's so scary there. People have closed them down. But it's important we focus on that light, and we know that, you know, things are changing here. And, you know, I talked about the the things that I talk about, and they may seem a little complicated, but really basically it comes down to humanity is shifting consciousness, and they're shifting the way they see things, and they're awakening up, and they don't want to be controlled. And in truth, we need to live in a peaceful state and in heaven, and we can go into the primordial parts of ourselves and look for those parts and the more that people that pray and go into the light the more it'll affect and bring um peace throughout the planet okay much love um i know i said a lot today but you know sometimes it's important that we do say something um i'm going to i may not be back until Thursday next week, it'll depend when I do the show because a friend of mine wants me to take him to the doctor, so I have to rebook the show for next week. Anyway, 
I'm going to be coming back and um, elections happening. I already voted ahead of time, way ahead of time, so I, I didn't have to, you know, deal with that and only have one day option. But much love and um, peace to the world and I'm going to continue the prayers of light for the planet and for all humanity that they open up and see what's really going on. The more of us that um, live in love, you know, the love consciousness of the planet will expand and we'll go back to the original consciousness that we all had at one time, okay? Much love. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to This Dimensional Living with your host, Diane Bachberger, bringing awareness to our world of greater love. For more information on Diane, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash dbachberger1. May your heart and minds always be open to experiencing a greater world. Thank you.